Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Here we go, Goal Achievers. Hey, it's Hal Elrod. In case you didn't know, maybe it's your first time listening. I don't know. But welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. And in the Achieve Your Goals podcast, we interview successful individuals. And success and successful are two words that are loaded words. And so I really want you to define what success is for you. Is it happiness? Is it health? Is it financial freedom? Is it the impact you make in the world or the legacy you leave? Or is it all of the above? And I would say that for me, success is really all of the above and then more that I I didn't even mention. But today, we're going to approach success from a different way. And if I was summing it up in one word, success in the context of today's conversation that you're about to hear with Monica Sawyer, in one word, success is bliss. And Monica Sawyer is often described as one of the most blissful people you will ever Meet. Now, she is a real estate investor. That is her profession. That's her trade. She's been doing that for over 20 years. And she's been through in the last 20 years, as you can imagine, if you've paid attention to the real estate market, I know mine, you know, when it crashed in 2008, which was what, 11 years ago, that was like my lowest point in my life where the miracle morning was born from that adversity. But she's seen it all, right? She's been through all the different cycles of the market and she turned $10,000 that she started with into over $2 million and working. I think it's part of the bliss. For her, it's just working only five to 10 hours per month with very little stress. And I always say, we'll talk more about this, but I always say that in life, you can be stressed out or you can be blissed out. I say that from stage all the time. And I also say that it has nothing to do or very little to do with what's going on around you and everything to do with what's going on inside of you. And while Monica was building her multi-million dollar business, she has traveled to over 55 countries She dances every single day, again, part of her bliss. And she spends lots of time with her husband of over 20 years. And she is also the international best-selling author of the multiple award-winning book, Choose Bliss, The Power and Practice of Joy and Contentment. She is the host of the podcast, Real Estate Investing for Women, and her expertise and bliss-filled laugh. You're going to hear that today. I guarantee it. If I, if I can make her laugh, right? But I don't think I have to even make her laugh. She, there it is. You just heard it. Yellow preview. <laughs> she just laughs. I was on her podcast and she laughs a lot. She's happy. She's uh, healthy. Uh, she's been featured on stages, radio, podcasts, and TV stations, including ABC, CBS, Fox, and the CW, impacting over... You ready for this? 100 million people. And today we're going to make it 101 million plus people uh, as you listen to this podcast. Monica, welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Hey, Al. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Uh, You are so welcome. And it really is a pleasure. I was on your show a while back and occasionally I'm on a show and I love the energy so much of the host that I go, will you come on my show, right? Will Will you bring that laugh and that bliss and that message that you have? to the Achieve Your Goals listeners. So I'm grateful that you're here. And this is a, again, it's a word list that for me is so rich with meaning. Mm-hmm. And I want to ask you for your definition. A lot of people ask me when I'm on their show, what, you know, how, how do you define miracle? Like that's a loaded word. Well, bliss is kind of a mysterious word, maybe loaded. 
What is bliss as you define it, Monica? Yeah. So um, thank you for asking that question. So bliss is not just being happy. It's a much deeper sense of joy and contentment and the absolute confidence that you can handle anything that comes your way. Mm -hmm. So it's really all about emotional mastery and emotional resilience. And like what you've talked about, I always say, and this is, I think, one of the things we really connected on also on my podcast was, I always say you can't control what happens on the outside, but you must control what happens on the inside. Mm, sounds like you and I are pretty like-minded. I know. Yay! <laughs> I like that, right? They, you know, they say there are no, ide- no new ideas. And I've been studying metaphysics a lot lately. I've been studying the collective field of consciousness. Uh, you know, and it is interesting that when I often will talk to somebody like you or read a book, and I'm sure you experience this, and you're reading something and you go, or you have like an idea that you feel like is an original idea that you've never heard. And then you realize that, oh, that was in Think and Grow Rich a hundred years ago. Or that, you know what I mean? Like, oh, oh, that was being taught by, you know, oh, that was in the Bible. Oh, right. Like, you know, (laughs) that collective field of consciousness of intelligence that we can all tap into if we want to. Yeah. So, um, all right. So bliss is, um, so you use some words there, happiness, joy, but you talked about emotional resilience uh, and emotional mastery and what happens inside of you versus what happens outside of you. So how did you come to this idea of bliss? I mean, to the point where you, you're writing, you, you know, you, you know that, that old phrase, right? You know, they practically wrote the book on this. No, 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 no. You, you actually wrote the book on this, right? So um, you wrote the book, Choose Bliss. So how did you come to this idea of bliss? Yeah. So, you know, I was actually... Hell, I was born in a part of America where I was the only person in school that was not white. And so because of that, as a very young girl, I was bullied and humiliated and tormented constantly. And I learned very early in life that life was hard, that people weren't going to like me, and that I was all alone. Hmm. And you can imagine that's not a very blissful or happy place to be. So as I grew up, the torment became much worse. It actually got violent and there were some horrible things that happened that boys do to girls. Mm. And then after all of that, I was in a car accident where I was sitting at a red light and a guy was going 50 miles an hour and just smacked me from behind. And I became a cripple and was told that I was never going to really walk again. And that's not horrifying enough. But what you don't know is that I had been dancing since I was three years old and my Mm. biggest, deepest dream was to become a professional dancer. And now here I was with no legs. Mm. And so I went through this whole period of, and I know that you can relate to this story, but I went through this period of, I'm not going to be in a chair. I am going to walk again. I'm not just going to walk again. I'm going to dance again. I'm going to compete again, you know? And um, yay me. And I went after it, right? I saw the right doctors. I did. This was in the years when there was no real holistic healing but I still would see a chiropractor, I'd see acupuncturists, I'd see all these healers, and it just never got better. Hmm. And what age, by the way, was the accident? The accident, I was 21. Okay, got it. Yeah. So things weren't getting better. The pain was still completely overwhelming. And as I realized that things were not getting better, you know, about a year in, I started to feel hopeless. Like I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's not getting better. I'm not able to find my path. And I started to fall into a very deep depression. Hmm. And I remember it had been about a year of me kind of sinking down this hole where I was still in so much pain. And one day I had been in bed for about a week 
and just crying. And I had the covers pulled over my head. I don't know if anybody else can relate to this, but just like so depressed. And I woke up this one morning and I heard my mom's voice in my head. And she said, Monica, get out of bed and go get some air. You'll feel better. And so thanks, mom, right? (laughs) So I uh, pushed the covers off my head and I swung my legs around to get out of bed. And then as I tried to stand up, I fell to the ground because my legs were too weak to hold me. Hmm. And I just sat there on the ground. I pushed myself up against my bed and I just cried. And in that moment, I prayed. And I said, you know, God, it's like it never gets better. It just keeps getting worse and I can't keep going this way. So have mercy on me. Either take me home or teach me how to live. And about an hour later, a girlfriend who I hadn't heard from for over two years randomly called. And I say that she was my, the answer to my prayer to God. Um, she asked me how I was doing and turned me on to a coach named Ted. And I think Ted saved my life. As we started chatting, he reminded me of my tenacity and my strength. He reminded me of my constant search for happiness and all the things that I had learned. And then he added some of his own new skills. And together, we brought me back. And it was amazing. You know, it was, you, know you make a decision to live and to be blissful, but then you have to go through the journey, right, to get there. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't an easy journey, but once the decision was made, I went for it. And together, we brought me back, and I started to experience life in a way I'd never experienced it before, just with so much joy and bliss. And where before I thought happiness is so fleeting, it was dependent on if I had no pain or if someone I loved was near me or if I had the right things or was around the right people. In those days, I thought happiness was really fleeting. But now I could really see that bliss was really about what was going on inside of my mind and my heart and my soul. So Ted was so excited about my sort of my recovery. And so he hired me on as a bliss mentor underneath him as a coach. And I started dealing with executive, his executive clients. And again, it was funny because I would talk to these guys, right? They're super successful. And how, how do we um, define success? And I know there's lots of different definitions, but they had like tons of money, the perfect house, the perfect marriage, the cute kids, the adorable dog, the white picket fence, the nice car. They had it all, right? Yeah. But as we talked about why their business was failing, what we found is that they were no longer happy. They were not motivated. They weren't inspired. They weren't creative. And so I took my lifelong journey and all the skills I had developed and what Ted taught me. And I started to teach these amazingly successful men how to find joy again. And that's actually how I came to bliss. And that's how I moved into my work. And that's why I wrote my book. Because the thing about coaching is I can only reach people one-on-one. Speaking in groups, I can only reach so many people. But a book can and has reached millions and millions of people to create bliss around the world. Monica, you and I... I don't know if I'm the male version of you or you're the female version of me. I, I don't know how. <laughs> I had that same feeling. It was amazing. Right? Like in an accident, did some inner work, discovered like a better way to live free from emotional pain and be blissed out and happy and grateful authentically, all of those things. And then the 
feeling of responsibility that, hey, that's how we could impact the world is to put it in a book. I wrote The Miracle Morning. You wrote Choose Bliss. I mean, wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm getting chills at how <laughs> aligned our stories are. Just, yeah, two souls that, you know, are on a similar journey. So very cool. Well, let's start with this. Let's get actionable. Uh, I'm always, I want to be practical and actionable. You know, I think too many teachers and messengers and authors and you know, whomever are very philosophical and they teach you philosophy, which, you know, can be helpful. But if it's not actionable, you don't change your behavior. You often forget the philosophy or, you know, life gets in the way of the philosophy or your emotions get in the way of philosophy. So with all that said, give us one tip that we can use to be more blissful. Absolutely. This is my favorite tip to give people because it's actionable and usable right now, even as you're sitting with me, right? Maybe you're driving a car, right? And then suddenly someone cuts you off and you're like, oh, you get irritated, right? And you can feel this emotion happening. And this can happen in lots of cases, right? Whether it's at work, whether you just got cut off, but I'm just going to use the cut off one because a lot of us can relate to that. So when you're in a moment where you're not blissful, you're really like the opposite of blissful, right? Um, you can create a bliss moment. And this is what you do. Someone just cut you off in traffic, let's say, and all of a sudden you're, you're upset, right? Why are you upset? It's not because of what just happened. It's the meaning that you give that, right? Suddenly a story happens in your mind about, I can't believe they cut me off. What if they had hit me, right? All of these stories happen in your mind. That's actually what causes the stress. Mm-hmm. So this is how you do a bliss moment. You stop those stories in your mind. You do a complete interrupt. So for me, I'll say, Monica, stop. Uh Literally interrupt the thought. Yep. Then I drop into my body, roll my shoulders back a little bit, relax my body, take a couple of deep breaths. And now you're in a place of being grounded and centered and compassionate And you can approach your life, whatever decision, whatever situation, whatever you're doing, you can approach that situation from this place of heartfelt bliss. So let's say something happens, somebody cuts you off and you're upset about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, I'm following your process here. So I say, interrupt the thought. Mm -hmm. All right, hell, knock it off. Right? (laughs) You're not, you're not, you're not, this is not productive. You're being upset. It's not going to fix it. So there's no point in being upset, right? Uh Take that deep breath and get centered in the body. What if the mind is not obeying, right? Because you know, one, one thing is we're programmed. I mean, there, you can study at a neurological level that there's pathways in the brain and that our brain fires off the same way it fired off last time somebody cut us off in traffic. We keep kind of living our life on repeat. So I guess my question is, if somebody does that and they, they interrupt the pattern, they interrupt their own pattern, they get into the body and get centered through breath and relax in the shoulders, but they still feel that emotion coming up. Is there any self-talk? Is there more physical work? Like for me, I, I, what you're saying is you're preaching to the choir, but I'm thinking right for somebody listening, that's like, that sounds easier said than done. That's kind of what I'm thinking, right? So what would you say to that person and how would they implement this? Yeah. So first of all, yes, it is hard because we are hardwired to act a different way. And so it may not work the first time. Mm. So the first thing that I'll say to you is keep practicing because practice will make perfect. It may not help the first time, but once you practice it 10 times, you will start to see it. Maybe not even 10, maybe one or two or three, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And you'll start to see, oh, it is having an impact. So the very first thing is understand that this, you know, if it was easy, everybody would be blissful. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. We have to 
actually focus on this and make it a priority. And it's not always easy. Anything worth having, sometimes you have to work for, right? Yeah. So it's okay if it doesn't work the first time. Here are some things. First of all, don't beat yourself up because it didn't work. Like, just know, okay, I need to get better at this. And you practice it again next time. And what's really, you can turn this into a game. Start looking for those moments that you can utilize this technique so you can practice it so that it starts to build the neural pathways in your brain of mm-hmm. how you react, right? So you can like, okay, no, I'm, I'm upset about that. And here's another natural thing that people are like, I'm upset and I deserve to be upset. That was wrong. Yeah, yeah. Right? And you're right. You do have a right to be upset. And how does that make you feel? How does that make you perform? And is that what you really want in your life? Even if you have a right to it? Yeah. Is it useful? Is it useful? Is it going to make you blissful? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I want to follow up on that. So the context, the way that I, you know, we teach a really similar lesson and truth is truth, right? Which is, especially if you've been through what you and I've been through and, you know, the car accident being told you're not going to walk again, like, Either you let that destroy you, right? Emotionally, you become the victim or you rise above it and you learn how to manage your emotions in such a way that adversities, you know, they don't deter you in a major way. So for me, I teach what I call the five minute rule, which says it's okay to be negative when something goes unexpected or, you know, not according to plan or it's painful or difficult. Set your timer on your phone for five minutes. You get five minutes to bitch, moan, complain, cry, (laughs) vent, punch a wall. And then after five minutes, you take a deep, and I basically kind of say the same thing, get into your body. Take a deep breath. You say three really liberating words, which are can't change it. And it's not that you can't change the future. It's that you can't change the past, right? If it already happened, you can't change it. And so when I learned this, I was 19. I was, it was in my sales training. And my thought, and I, I kind of, I shared this with audiences because I go, look, raise your hand if you think five minutes is not quite long enough. Like you need like a, at least like a five hour rule, maybe a five days to be pissed off. And Everybody raises, they're like, not a lot of hands go up, right? They're like, yeah, it's like, come on, five minutes. I'm just starting to get upset into five, at five minutes, right? I'm barely scratching. I'm just getting riled up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My face isn't even as red as it's going to be in about, you know, 10 more minutes, right? Right. But that's the thing is, so when I learned this, I thought five minutes isn't enough and I need longer. And sure enough, the first time I had a customer cancel an order that I was like, it was my biggest order of the week. It was the last day. It helped me hit my goal. And now I failed my goal because I lost the order. And I set the time for five minutes, the time went off five minutes later. And I, I go, and this was, you know, like a week into my sales career. And I'm like, oh, I'm so mad. And the timer goes off and I go, and I'm ready to throw the phone, you know? I'm going, I'm still mad. Just because five minutes went by, I'm not, I'm still upset. But after I practiced this for, you know, and it was probably a few days in, it was maybe after a week. I don't remember the exact day, but here's what happened is it creates what you're talking about, Monica. It's, this is conscious awareness. Either you're reactive or you're proactive in terms of how you, the, like you said, the meaning that you're giving to the things in your life that aren't pleasant or aren't desirable or you didn't expect or want. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that when the timer would go off, the first few times, it wasn't enough time. And then each time I was being consciously aware that, wait, there's no point in dwelling on something I can't change. Like there's no point in staying upset. Like I said in the opening when I was introducing you, you can be stressed out or you can be blissed out. doesn't matter what's happening to you. It's the meaning that, as Monica said, you give it to it and your response. And so what happened is, and I, I can literally picture the moment. I was in my apartment. I had another woman cancel an order and I was, it might have been an appointment. It was one of the two, but anyways, it was where I was like, it was the last day toward my goal. And I set the timer for five minutes and I like got up and I'm like, oh, son of a 
you know, I can't believe she canceled that order. Like, I needed this so bad. Oh, man, I have no time to make up for this, man. And I picked my phone back up. And I had four minutes and 32 seconds left. And I went, wait a minute. What's the point of me being upset for another four and a half minutes? I could just turn the timer off right now and say, can't change it and accept it and be at peace with it and schedule more appointments. That seems like a better use of my time and energy. Mm-hmm. So the five minute rule within a matter of a week, it turned into the five second rule where I'm like, I just need to like, uh, you know, get like vent for a second. And then I, I, there's no point in changing it. So I love what you're saying. And, you know, I played that devil's advocate of like, okay, well, what if you do that? And, you know, you interrupt your thought, the pattern, you get centered in your body, you relax the shoulders, you take the deep breath, Monica, like you said, and then you just kind of give yourself permission to feel that bliss. But what if you're still upset? And then for me, that was it is like, well, after a, a matter of days or a week or so, I realized I was reconditioning the meaning that I've been giving to adversity my entire life, realizing, oh, I'm not a victim. It's not a life sentence that whenever something happens that I didn't want to happen, I have to be upset about it, you know, until I forget about it. (laughs) I guess most people, right? Like anytime they think about something that makes them upset, they just get upset, whether it happened five days or five months or five decades ago. Yeah, we're you do carry it for like five decades, right? Yeah. It's still there for you. And yeah. it's like, really, is that still serving you? And you know what I really love is you, I asked you to be on my podcast because I listened to some of yours and I love this five minute rule thing. Because one of the things that I used to say is you have, you do actually have a right to your emotions. You do, like you say, truth is truth. And sometimes things suck. Yeah. And that's the truth. And so what I would say is give yourself a time limit when you get to honor your feelings and you get to really honor them and live them and be them. And then commit to yourself that you will turn it off and commit to your own happiness again in order to move forward. And so for me, I kind of left it for people to like kind of look inside at what that time limit is, right? Whether it's a day, it's an hour, it's a couple of days, you know, if someone dies, maybe you want a month, right? But I love the way you took it from this kind of pick to try this, just do this. Because if something really horrible happens, you may still be there for a while. You may still be there for a month, right? Sure, sure. But if your intention is to only be there for five minutes, you're so much more likely to succeed at getting back to bliss than if you will not have that intention to get back there and in a timely fashion. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, you might as well choose bliss in the midst of your adversity. That's the difference is people think it's mutually exclusive. Like I feel bad because bad things happen. Mm -hmm. No, you feel bad because you're not willing to give yourself the gift of acceptance and being at peace with the quote unquote bad thing that happened. Absolutely. Where you talk about can't change it. Yeah. The motto that I have used is I am at complete peace mm. with exactly how my life is today. Yeah. And so that was, that's always my motto is Beautiful. I'm at peace with how I'm at peace with how my life is today. Exactly right. how my life is today. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So now I know something that you talk about is that you believe wealth is crucial to bliss. And I believe the same thing. I won't say it's crucial, but I believe it's important. I think you actually use the word important. I think I just switched to the word crucial there. But you, you believe wealth is important to bliss. I do as well. I'd love to hear why you think that is. 
it has actually been scientifically proven that people that struggle with money are not happy. Mm. And now what it has also been statistically proven is that once we can pay the bills and we're comfortable, we tend to be more happy. But I think what happens in the world now, especially in our business world, so many people are out there with a real message. They're just not out there to make money. They're out there to, and I'm sure that this is true with many of your listeners, they're out there to actually change something, do something important, right? And the honest truth is it's hard to do things that are important if you're broke. Yeah. You need to have wealth supporting you, creating your foundation, taking care of you. So it's not taking up your mind real estate so that your mind real estate can be focused on your passion, the things that you want to do in the world, your message. And the more wealth you have, the more you good you can do. So to the point where you're paying the bills and surviving, it's going to actually affect your actual happiness and your actual bliss. Creating more wealth does help to support you in creating more bliss in your own life because it allows you to be authentically who you want to be in the world in the biggest way possible. Yeah, I've heard one of my mentors used to say that money is not the root of all evil and it doesn't make you a bad person. It makes you more of what you are. It's the grand amplifier. So if you are a good person, money is a tool for you to do more good in the world. And if you're a jerk, money is a tool for you to be a bigger jerk, right? right. And you, you know, know, that's why I focus so much on bliss because I want people to experience bliss through that journey. So who they become as they're building wealth is who they get to be when they're wealthy. And that's who they amplify in the world. We're so aligned on that because you don't want to be amplifying the parts of you that are not the most beautiful parts. As a blissful person, you can amplify that bliss through your work into the world. And that's the important thing, right? Yeah, that absolutely is. And let, let me ask you this then. You know, there's a very cliche saying that money can't buy happiness. Would you agree with that? Or would you say that money does buy happiness? I think that it does actually buy happiness in the way that I just talked about in that people who are broke, are it's a lot harder to be happy. Now, let me just qualify this. Yeah. I don't believe that we have to be rich to be happy. Sure. I don't believe that we actually have to be at the mercy of everything around us to be happy. We've already talked about that. Yeah. But what I will say is that being in pain makes it more difficult to be blissful. It just does. It's harder work. So if you're physically in pain, emotionally pain, or financially in pain, you are going to have a harder time finding happiness. It doesn't mean it's impossible. It just means that it's less probable. Yeah. You put it out there, which is like studies show it's proven. And then here's just one context of many, but what is the number one cause of divorce? It's money problems. It's money problems. Absolutely. It's couples fighting over. So it's the stress that not being able to put food on the table or put the roof over your head or pay your bills, the stress that that causes. And then in the context of a marriage, right, it, it breaks up the marriage. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and so like, I like that you said that. You're not saying that you need to be rich, but it's being able to provide for yourself and the necessities of life. And that's, by the way, the beauty of it is if you want to live off the land, you actually don't, might not need any money. So, so it's true. almost like you could say it's resources that you need, right? You need resources to support your lifestyle. And that's for right. most of us, money is one of those resources, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, yeah, if you live off the land and you, you know, hunt your food and you live in a hut and you don't have any 
property taxes. Like well, then <laughs> you don't actually need money, but you do need resources, right? And you it's need- also, what about your future? Like if you live off the land, but you don't want your children to have to live off the land, you want to send them to college. Yeah. Right. Then money becomes important again, right? I don't know whether it's fortunate or unfortunate, but money is our transactional way of creating life. And it creates our future. It creates our possibilities. And so having it at your disposal gives you more options, more possibilities, more opportunities. It does. All of those things. Freedom. The freedom to do what you want with the money that you have. One of my uh, best friends and my business partner, John Burgoff, he's wise beyond his years. You know, he's younger than I am. And he was like in his 20s when he said money conversations. He said, money is just energy. Mm-hmm. You know, money is just energy. And he said, if you want to put that energy toward providing water for people that don't have water, that's what money allows you to do or food for people that don't have food and that don't have the means to earn their own food because of the, maybe the culture that they live in where it's not a capitalistic culture and they can't go out there and earn their own money and their hands are tied and they're, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. because yeah, you're right. Whether it's good or bad, right or wrong, I have mixed opinions on, I mean, really on capitalism in some ways, because just the idea that you know, yeah. Anyway, it's another conversation. I, I have part of me is like, we should get further and further and further back and regress to primal times where we are living off the land and we're not, you know, competing for, you know, who has the biggest car or fat, you know, right. All of those things. I'm a big fan of, you know, like I might write a book today called prehistoric parenting, you know, getting back to what works, something like that. But, mm-hmm. but, uh, but anyway, the point is the reality is that the culture that we do live in, if somebody's sick, they have bills. And if you have money, in fact, I have a friend right now who she's a single mom and she has cancer. And I mean, it's so sad. She was a teacher and the school let her go because her appearance, you know, she had lost all her hair and she's lost a lot of weight. The parents were afraid of saying their kids were afraid of her. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine? I mean, she's like the sweetest, most selfless human being on the planet who has dedicated her life to being an underpaid teacher. And she was trying to teach between her chemo treatments. And they had to let her go because the parents were frightened by her appearance. Oh my gosh. Um, but anyway, the point is her hospital bills and her bills are like $12,000 a month and she can't support herself and she has no help. So I'm paying her bills right now. And so it's like, is money bad? <laughs> is money the root of all evil? Or does it allow you to help people who are in need and need that help and that support? Anyway, so yeah, so I think we belabored that point, but I just, I think money is such a, I read a great book years ago called The Soul of Money. And it talks a lot about that, right? But there's the idea that, yeah, money's not bad. It's what you do with it. It can be, you know, one of the most beautiful things in the world. And again, it's what meaning are you giving to it? There you go. Yeah. Right? You have control over that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we haven't even talked about this. Let's at least like, you know, mention it. What is your book, Choose Bliss, about? We have a general idea. But I'd love to hear your like, you know, how do you explain it? What is your book, Choose Bliss, about? And where's the best place to get it? So I was an executive coach for over a decade, and I tried a lot of different strategies. So there were strategies that worked really well for me, and there were strategies that worked for every one of my clients. I compiled all of those strategies into my book, Choose Bliss. And guess what the first one is? Mm. Create your day, your morning routine. I was going to say, it's got to be the morning ritual. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It was the morning routine. Another way that we're totally aligned. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's really what Choose Bliss is. So it's written as my story. So you really get to know who I am and where I'm coming from. Just like my book. Jeez, Monica, we're so like... I know. And then there's a lot of really good actionable strategies because I'm like you. Theory is awesome. It doesn't get the job done. You need to get the job done. Bliss is about taking action. 
And so that's what the book is about. I love it. Is it safe to say that if our listeners, if you love Miracle Morning, you're going to love Choose Bliss? You think it's pretty safe? I absolutely think so. I think we're totally aligned. Awesome. Awesome. Monica, well, you're blissful to talk to. You're, you're just your energy. You're, it comes through in your voice and your laugh. And it's just, you have such a great energy. I'm very like sensitive and in tune. I feel like with people's energy and yours is blissful. So thank you for doing what you're doing in the world and sharing your bliss with our listeners. Yeah. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Well, goal achievers. Uh, oh, before I, I almost forgot. Where can people learn more from you and about you? I know you got, tell the name of the podcast again and I don't know if you have a website or where can people follow and keep up with you? Yeah. So Choose Bliss is available on Amazon. That's the one place. You can go to blissfulinvestor.com to find out more about me and kind of what my philosophy is um, about wealth. And then the podcast is Real Estate Investing for Women. And I know that it's real estate focused, but it's a very holistic approach to wealth. So we talk about mindset, heart set, and strategies and money smart. So it's the whole picture to creating success. Real estate investing for women. And blissfulinvestor.com, did you say? Yes, blissfulinvestor.com. We'll put all those in the show notes. And goal achievers, I will say this. I'll give a quick like little tangent soapbox for a second. You may have heard me say this before. Uh, You may not have, but I am a big big, big believer in passive income. And that's kind of a word that is, you know, can sometimes even be a cringe word where you go, oh, like get rich quick and create passive income and blah, blah, blah. No. You know, when I was in the hospital fighting cancer, I had passive income from the 13 books I'd written and the 30 some translations of the Miracle Morning. And every single one of those, I got checks all year long. And it literally supported my family. And I truly believe that one of the most important things that you can do if you live in a society, in our society where, you know, you need income to put the roof over your head and buy your food, if you're not living on the land, so to speak, right, which I think is probably, you know, 99.9%, give or take of our listeners, creating passive income. And, And that's what I like, Monica, that's, you know, we didn't focus on that today. But I would just say, go to Monica's websites. And I would imagine whether you're, it's for women, but I'd imagine men could probably implement the same (laughs) investing strategies. And, you know, I don't think that they're right. It's like, oh, you're a man. These won't work for you. Um, But, uh, but but I just, you know, investing in real estate, you know, unless you're going to be an author and the thing about writing books and making money off your books, it's much harder. I'm very blessed and fortunate. And even I'll say lucky that my books have generated significant income because it's not common. It's harder to duplicate. Real estate investing, I always, when I'm coaching clients or talking to friends or whatever, and they're like, how do I create passive income? Should I write books? I go, eh, no. <laughs> you can, but <laughs> if you want more of a surefire way, you know, and my best friend, one of my best friends in the whole world, Matt Recor, I mean, he was ready to retire at 35 by investing in real estate, you know, and he's, he's still going, but yeah. Yeah, it truly is the easiest way to create yeah. wealth and passive income. It really is. It really is. And my other best friend, David Osborne, you know, he could retire, you know, I think his net worth's a hundred million dollars and it's all from real estate investing, you know. So uh, anyway, I didn't mean to go too far into that, but I just, you know, because we like we talked about, like Monica said, that in terms of bliss, wealth is a big part of that. And that financial freedom. You don't have to be rich, but financial freedom does bring such a quality of life where you're not stressed about it. So anyway, so check out Monica's stuff, blissfulinvestor.com, uh, the Real Estate Investing for Women podcast, and check out the book on Amazon, Choose Bliss, The Power and Practice of Joy and Contentment. And Goal Achievers, I think that's it for today. I love you. I appreciate you. 
by the way, if you do want to join me in person for two to three life-changing days, I'm going to start talking more about this because we're getting into the time where it's time to start looking at tickets are on sale now, but the best year ever blueprint live experience. You can check that out. Bestyeareverlive.com. This is our sixth year and uh, we have about 350 spots. I think they're already spoken for, but that means there's about a hundred spots available, hundred tickets available. So bestyeareverlive.com. You can check that out. And uh, I would love to spend a few days with you December 13th through 15th in sunny San Diego, California. So Monica, (laughs) thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. Yeah, I really enjoyed our conversation. And Goal Achievers, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, until next time, go out there and achieve your biggest goals and dreams because you absolutely deserve nothing less. I love you. I appreciate you. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Everybody take care. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.